This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. Welcome back into the Door Report, episode 244, a late episode here on a lovely Monday evening, October 23rd, 2023. I am Will Byram, joined as always by my co-host, Trevor Hewlin, and we have a beefy episode 244 here, the 2023-2024 Vanderbilt men's basketball season preview a majority roster preview and breakdown with all the movement that Vanderbilt's experienced on their roster this offseason, an emphasis on a lot of movement. I, I think there's been a lot talked about with Tyron Lawrence, but there's been a lot of movement outside of Ezra Mignon and Tyron Lawrence on this roster. But before we get into that, the schedule preview and me and Trevor's three keys to season success, here at the Door Report, we are presented by Corey Perkins, of Parks Realty. If you're a first-time home buyer or looking to move homes in the Middle Tennessee area, Corey Perkins is your man. You can reach out to Corey via phone call or text at 615-967-8623, or you can reach out to Corey via email at Perkins at realtracks.com. Trevor, I kind of ran through what we've got on deck in episode 244, Hoops Talk. It's finally time to not talk football on this episode. That will be episode 245 being recorded later this week. I think Wednesday is Wednesday. Cool. Wednesday is the go-to. So uh, Ole Miss preview will be being recorded on Wednesday, released on Thursday. But episode 244 is all about basketball. Trevor, how are you feeling right now about the upcoming basketball season? Absolutely stoked. Just quite frankly, all I think about. It's just, I mean, that's all I'm thinking about is Vandy Hoops right now. And schoolwork, but mainly Vandy hoops. I was about to say, Trevor just walked in the door literally ten minutes ago from class. Just, Tonight was my uh, my statistics class, so oh. standard deviation and variance Ooh. is absolutely kicking me between the legs. Oh, damn! Got an A in it, but that's my stuff. <laughs> you want to do my homework? <laughs> Not at all. That's a lot of. Uh, so you're looking at data, statistical analysis. Oh yeah, that's, that's every every time I every time I do an equation, I'm like, this must be what Will feels like is, every day. <laughs> it's just what I do all day, every day. It's just stare at large data sets, and I was about to say, I uh, think about killing myself, but that seems a little bit dark for this trigger warning. Beat. Yeah, I think that'll get us like in trouble on YouTube. Will actually, I'm, I might actually have to take that off because we might get a mark on YouTube. But <laughs> Trevor. Everybody knows what we have in store. A majority of this, I think, is going to be just a roster preview, just running through what Vanderbilt has this season, what they lost, what guys need to step up in new and increased roles. And then we're also going to go through Vanderbilt's schedule. 
which is a little bit different than last year, but there's a that'll be a brief portion. And then our three keys to the season success. We kind of added that in right before we started this episode. So me and Trevor are going to be kind of making those up on the fly. That's but, the TDR difference right there. But baby. based on our research, which we have done plenty of. But before we get into all that and much more, don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Door Report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. It's now time for breaking news. Trevor, you ready to get into this roster preview? Dude, it's hoops time. Ain't that right, Jerry? He kind of says yes, I think. The bobblehead's a little bobbly right now. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the Jerry Stackhouse bobblehead we always, ha- always yes. have set up. That was definitely a yes from that old Jerry. A, that was a yes right there from old Stack. So it's time to get into this Vanderbilt roster for the 2023-2024 basketball season. As Vanderbilt fans will remember, the Commodores went 22-15. and 15 last season and Jerry Stackhouse's fourth year stack as the coach of the Vanderbilt Commodores is entering his fifth season as the Commodores head basketball coach with a record of 61 and 69 through his first four years so off the rip there's definitely I don't want to say a hot seat underneath Stackhouse but there's a warm seat a very warm I would say if it's on a scale of one to 10 with 10 being an ultimate burning hot seat, he's probably at a six and a half or seven before the season even starts. Where would you put it at Trevor? I would honestly put it higher, but then again, I, that's probably my personal biases. Um, and we'll get into this. If it's, if this is tournament or bust, I know some people don't think this is a tournament team, regardless of that it's year five tournament or bust, no NCAA tournament. You got to let them go. That's where I stand, and that that will be my stance throughout the season's entirety. So I went back and listened to a little bit of the recap that we did at the end of the basketball season last year, and the main takeaway I got from that was we were happy with the stretch at the end of the year. Reality set in after Vanderbilt didn't make the NCAA tournament, and it was a no-discussion Jerry Stackhouse, regardless of roster circumstances, has to make the NCAA tournament in year five, Mm -hmm. has failed to make the NCAA tournament thus far during his tenure as Vanderbilt said, coach, to the NIT two years in a row. It's time to take the next step forward. If it doesn't happen in year five, I'm just not sure it's going to happen. Uh, There was an article I read. I, I wish I could remember the website, but they said something along the lines of, if you've read read my writing for long enough you know how i feel about jerry stackhouse as a head coach i think he's a very good head coach but in college there's more to it than just being a good x's and o's head coach you have to recruit constant texts and facetimes and phone calls with players and playing that game of bringing in the talent and so far jerry has just not done that and i i think there are still holes on this roster this year in year five even with the returning talent that's there that this team has issues that are so present and in your face before the season has even started. It's kind of like when we talked about Vanderbilt football. You know where the issues are, some of them at least, like when we talked about Vanderbilt football secondary. Yeah. Nothing was done about it during the offseason, and the secondary has been horrible the entire season. It was right in your face before the season started, and it's played out that way. I think there are some holes like that on this basketball roster. But, Trevor, let's start with the strengths of this team. Let's start with the guard play, the backcourt. What, what are you thinking about the old combo of Tyron Lawrence and Ezra Mignon, both returning 
from last season. I believe Tyron averaged 13.1 points per game last year. I wish I had all my tabs open. Ezra averaged, do you have it in front of you? Oh, there it is. It's right in front of my face. Ezra Mignon averaged 10.5 points per game, 3.8 assists per game. Tyron, of course, entered the transfer portal and then came back to Vanderbilt. So one of the greatest days of my life. And quite on, literally one of the greatest days of my life. Went on a You're live, welcome, guys. Went on a live with Trevor. I think it's still your pinned tweet. It what did Tyron say? He, he, he jokingly said, he wasn't being serious, but he jokingly said, I'm the reason he came back to Vanderbilt. <laughs> uh, I know it was a joke, but in my demented mind, I choose not to think that it was a joke, and he actually came back. He was dead serious. In, in my head, he was dead serious. I gave a large sum of money to the collective. Some might say it was my entire savings. So Vanderbilt returns Tyron, returns Ezra. If you're listening to TDR and listening to this preview, you'd know that that is a dynamic duo. I think Jerry Stackhouse during SEC Media Day said something along the lines of, Vanderbilt is one of only three teams in the SEC returning both guards. I think Texas A&M and Tennessee are the other two SEC teams returning both guards. So continuity at the two most important positions, in my opinion, in college basketball at both of the guard positions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think this, and I've said this on Twitter, and I will stand by this 100%. Not only have I said this on Twitter, I've said this to people's faces. Not only is this the greatest backcourt in my lifetime, I truly believe this might be the greatest backcourt in Vanderbilt history. I, I really do believe that. I truly believe. I think it's better than Tinsley Jenkins. I think it's better than Pippen Saban. Um, I, I really do think this is the best Vanderbilt backcourt of our lifetime and possibly more. I think it can be. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's where I said, I think it can be. I think Tyron is a level of talent at that two guard position that frankly, Vanderbilt just hasn't really seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned John Jenkins. He was a great shooter, but not really much of a slasher driver. Not, not a, as nearly as yeah, not a freak athlete like Tyron Lawrence is coming off the pick and roll, catching lobs. Uh, you also mentioned who is you, know, you mentioned Saban Lee and Scottie Pippen. You mentioned Saban yeah. Lee, definitely a slasher yeah. driver, not much of a score from the outside. I think Tyron Lawrence is the whole package. I believe I if agree. he can put it all together, get a more consistent shooting presence from the outside. I believe only shot. That's not terrible shot, 36% from three last year. If you can see that bump up to 40%, Mm -hmm. he's going to be in contention for SEC Player of the Year. I agree. Uh, But he's going to step up into a bigger role, and I wanted to get into this. Of course, I'm not dismissing what Ezra's going to bring to the table. Great leadership at point guard, speed, great passer, great off the pick and roll. Maybe he can work on that jump shot. You saw a little bit of progression, but most of this season and most of this offense is defined by what Vanderbilt lost this offseason and and we're going to get into the to the front court as well but Vanderbilt lost a lot mm-hmm. from last year's team they lost almost 60% of minutes played lost 57.44% of points scored as BB gets up in my face trying to read stats <laughs> so Vanderbilt basically lost 60% of their team mm-hmm. 60% of their minutes 60% of their production regardless of how that went down and I'll run through the names here I, I think some of these guys weren't the biggest losses. I think possibly you have guys that can step into a bigger role and be better than these guys. But just reading through the names, you lost Liam Robbins to graduation, Jordan Wright transferred to LSU, Miles Studi transferred to South Carolina, Trey Thomas transfer as a guard, Noah Shelby transferring to Rice, Quentin Melora Brown transferring uh, as part of that front court size, transferring to the Citadel. Emmanuel Ansong graduated. Malik Dia transferring to Belmont here locally. And then Adrian Samuels 
don't he was a walk-on. Yeah, he was a walk-on guy, also transferred. Not really much of a contributor, only played in three games. But reading off that list of names, damn. I mean, the Liam I, Robbins is, I mean, he was the, when he was healthy, he was the most productive I mean, he was player. I mean, Liam Robbins was the best player on the team when he was healthy. Yeah, I mean, I Tyron Lawrence yeah. was the most explosive player, made the best highlights. Liam Robbins was a leader on that team. Post presence size was the leading scorer last year. Shot stretch the floor shot like 36.5% from three was the team's leading rebounder, team leading shot blocker by a long ways. Blocked 3.2 shots per game. That's something Vanderbilt's going to be missing. Uh-huh. But it's also small things like the depth in the post. Mm-hmm. QMB, Quint Malora Brown, we love him here on the podcast. Gritty player. We've always described him. The definition of grit. Yep. Man, he hit the floor so many times. TDR favorite. But it's not really that QMB is such a loss in, man, he was a game-changing type guy. Mm-hmm. But as a backup post player with size and physicality just, body. just knowing you have a 6'10 guy that's built like a truck yeah sitting behind waiting to come in if you're in foul trouble Vanderbilt doesn't have that this mm-hmm. year and they also lost Ansong who is a contributor and energy guy off the bench rebounder that's to another jump out the gym that, that's another just kind of random role player that they lost also Jordan Wright was inconsistent at times wasn't a consistent score but won them games B- beat Kentucky late in the year with an incredible performance. That's the guy that you have to replace that scoring and that productivity. Also one of Vanderbilt's best defensive players. I was going, I was going to highlight him on the defensive end. I, I totally agree. His offense was, was shaky at best, but his defense was not shaky whatsoever. I think he led the team in, in steals. Um, I, I believe he led the team in steals. He was just overall a very, very good defender, even when his offense lacked. Um, so I, I and we'll get into this. Are you going to miss him on the offensive side? Maybe I'm interested to see what Evan Taylor can do, possibly coming off the bench. I also like Jason Rivera Torres. Uh, defensively, you are going to miss Jordan Wright at that guard position. A real jackknife. I yeah. mean, at times I think Stack had him guarding a center, and this Vanderbilt defense did struggle last year, even with Liam Robbins, and he was injured late in the season. Even with Liam Robbins, even with Jordan Wright, this Vanderbilt defense, I believe, ranked twelfth in the SEC in conference defense. So that's something to keep an eye on. Vanderbilt lost a lot of their defensive presence on a defense that wasn't really that good last year. Uh, So that's it. That's a big red flag going into this. We touched a little bit on Tyron Lawrence and Ezra Mignon before we got into all the guys that Vanderbilt lost. Who else besides Tyron and besides Ezra is going to step up for Vanderbilt to provide some guard depth? I'm interested to see. Um, I'm interested to see how they utilize Paul Lewis a little bit more this year. Uh, definitely going to be coming off the bench. One thing that intrigues me about him is is part of the reason Ty came back was a lot of NBA uh, scouts said they'd like to see him play point a little bit more. I have no insider information, but I have to imagine that whenever him and Stackhouse agree that he would come back to Vanderbilt, um, that they agree that he would play a little bit more of the one position. So I'm I'm. And Ezra, you can't put Ezra at the two. So I'm I'm interested to see how Paul Lewis plays at the two position. Um, it's just another uh, just another overall player that I think has to take a major step forward. And I think will, regardless of position, is Colin Smith. I think he's I think he truly is the big question mark in this in this entire team. If he can really take a step forward, then I think offense. I think Vanderbilt offensively is going to be really really dangerous. 
Paul Lewis has to step up. Uh-huh. Definitely. I mean, Ezra and Tyron are going to play a majority of the game, barring foul trouble. Absolutely. But inevitably, Ezra or Tyron have to come out of the game at some point, whether it's because of foul trouble or just fatigue. Mm-hmm. And right now, a guard outside of Paul Lewis, there is basically zero experience Yeah, uh, returning at guard. So Paul Lewis is going to have to take a big step forward, play a lot more point guard more than likely. But I think Ezra is going to be playing close to 35 minutes a game. I think that's fair. I, I mean, as long as he can stay healthy, I think he's going to be playing 35 a game. I think Tyron's going to be playing 30 a game. And Stack's comments during SEC Media Day talking about you can't call off the dogs at yeah. the end of the game. I think that's going to play into it as well, on top of just not having proven depth. Mm-hmm. I mean, you move to the guards slash forwards, that kind of three slash two position. You have Evan Taylor, Malik Presley, and Jason Rivera-Torres coming in as a freshman. Evan Taylor, a graduate transfer, good shooter. I don't have his stats from last year pulled up, but he's a shooter. That's mm-hmm. what he's coming in to do. Will likely play a lot of that three position. He's a spot-up guy. He's a spot-up guy. Maybe can play some of that two guard and provide a little bit of depth. But do you see either Malik Presley or Jason Rivera-Torres playing any sort of role as freshman? I, I Was that a question to me? I'm sorry. Yeah. I think Jason Rivera-Torres. I So... Inside scoops, I have heard from a lot of people that the staff is very, yep. very, very high on him. And I've heard that in scrimmages that Vanderbilt holds against Lipscomb and Belmont on a regular basis, uh, he's a goon. And the reason he wasn't so highly sought after was he wasn't uh, that um, he wasn't that big in the AAU circle because, as we all know, TV star. So he was yep. acting whenever he could have been playing AAU ball. So I think Vanderbilt got a potential steal on this kid. I could see him playing legitimate minutes for this basketball team. He's one of those small X factors that I wanted to put a little star next to. So I'm glad I'm glad you answered with his name. The staff from what I've heard from like really really likes him. We talked about it I think before we started recording saying you're lucky every year this is unless you're bringing in the Fab Five, or unless you're bringing in those old, old John Calipari classes. Just a bunch of McDonald's all Yeah, you're, you're going to be, on average, you're going to have one freshman come in and give meaningful contribution I, if you have a normal recruiting class. And I think that this year, that can be Jason Rivera-Torres. I think he can play the two or the three. And I think that's where Vanderbilt really lacks any sort of experience depth. And I think they desperately need somebody outside of Paul Lewis, who clearly Stackhouse expects to take that step forward with the transfer of Noah Shelby out. I think that was a real decision from the staff was it was Paul Lewis or Noah Shelby. And the staff chose Paul Lewis based on what they saw last year. I think shot 39% from the three-point line, a shooter. And whenever he came off the bench, he was impressive, man. He was really impressive. I liked what I saw of the backcourt with Ezra and Ty at the one and two, or Ezra and Paul at the one and two. Um, Coming off the bench, I thought that was a dangerous duo. And I have written down here, back this backcourt specifically, I'm just going to repeat it, the backcourt, has experience Mm -hmm. the backcourt does not have depth so at the same time of being a strength of this team i think it's also a weakness and that's a really odd spot to be in but Mm -hmm. moving forward to the front court this is where most of the weaknesses lie i would say on this vanderbilt roster you have Vin allen lubin likely going to be starting former four-star transfer in for notre dame you have lee dort coming back, returning for his sophomore season, healing up, 
off of an injury. I think Stack uh, during SEC media days said three to four weeks or so before he's full go. Yep. But he's in good shape and healthy right now. You've got Colin Smith, kind of that tweener position forward. He is going to be a gigantic X factor this year, playing the two, the three, the four. Hell, at times he may be playing the five yeah. in this positionless offense that Jerry Stackhouse is really going to be looking to run. Kind of what Miles Studi did last year sometimes on defense whenever they got in foul trouble. Yeah, yeah. Had him run into the five a lot of times. And then you have Tassos Comateros, which I think is a huge X factor mm-hmm. for this for this roster. I think depending on what he can do and provide at that five and four position, he's a perimeter type post, mm-hmm. the opposite of Vin Allen Lubin. But if he can transfer what he did at South Dakota to the SEC, obviously he was playing lesser competition in the Summit League at South Dakota, but he shot over 40% from three last year as a big man. That's something that Vanderbilt just has not had consistently. You saw flashes of it from Liam Robbins, but overall as a team, Vanderbilt has lacked shooting. Mm-hmm. And overall, I won't say it was an extremely impressive offseason for Vanderbilt as a whole in the transfer portal or in recruiting, but they did address the shooting issue yeah. a little bit mm-hmm. with Tassos and Evan Taylor. So how are you feeling about this front court and the big man situation for Vanderbilt? The, the front court is is probably, not probably, it is the most concerning aspect of this team for me. Um, I, Lee Dort, not healthy. He, I mean, he's. I, I think he's up there with Colin Smith for me as somebody who you need to take a huge step forward. Um, lost a little bit of weight over the offseason. I heard he's, he's, he's a little bit more in shape. Once again, everybody knows healing with, I believe, a foot injury. Um, I don't believe he's in a boot or anything like that anymore, but at one point wasn't a boot. Um, once he gets back and he's healthy, he's somebody that you really, really need to contribute. Um, I have really high expectations for, for Lubin. I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be a really, really good basketball player. Um, and, and, and that's another, that's another thing, man, depth at the, at particularly at the four and the five position, you're going to get in foul trouble. It's just the nature of basketball. I don't know how comfortable I feel without a, a Dortless Vanderbilt team mm-hmm. going in, Van Lubin getting into foul trouble, and then you bringing in a, a, a five that's more of a perimeter guy that's going to stretch the floor. I mean, could it work out? Yeah, maybe, but man, I last year a lot of games you saw Vanderbilt get absolutely bullied on the boards, and I'm afraid that this year that teams are going to absolutely dominate Vanderbilt on the boards if Lee Dort does not take a huge step forward. Yeah, I mean, that Vanderbilt's ability to protect the rim and rebound, I think, is basically like what I said at the beginning, staring down the barrel of the football team's secondary. Yeah. It's saying before we even start, you know, rebounding and rim protection is going to be a problem for Vanderbilt. It hasn't been in recent seasons. Vanderbilt has had the twin towers in recent years and traditionally had solid players in the post and size at a minimum. They don't this year. Vanderbilt's going to be undersized in every single matchup that they have. And that's just something Stack's going to have to deal with. So it's time to see that X's and O's put into action and see what he can scheme up. And maybe for the first time, Stack has more of a roster that he wants and wants to work with. Sort of that more small ball. The, the small ball NBA positionless style that anybody can play pretty much anywhere except the one. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I'm expecting. So, But that doesn't discount the fact that Vanderbilt lost three of their top five scorers from last year. Yeah, Vanderbilt lost four of their top five rebounders from last year. Vanderbilt lost four of their five top shot blockers 
from last season. So regardless of the talent they do have returning, there is so much to replace. I want to keep emphasizing how much there is to replace on this roster. Trevor, I think the starting lineup, I think it's pretty much universal mm-hmm. out there what everybody's thinking. But I'm going to see if you disagree with this. Hit me. At the one, Ezra Mignon. Yep. At the two, Tyron Lawrence. Mm-hmm. At the three, Evan Taylor. Mm-hmm. At the four, Colin Smith. At the five, Vin Allen Lubin. And then yeah. coming in off the bench, Tassos Cometeros and Lee Dort once he gets healthy and Paul Lewis. Yeah. And then we're going to have to see who can step into those roles outside of those guys because really outside of the first seven to eight guys in this rotation, you're going to have to see one or two more step up and i really don't know who that's going to be yeah i would jason agree. rivera I would agree jason rivera torres is a guy we mentioned i could honestly i could see him maybe getting some starts at the three i maybe not definitely not immediately but maybe closer to conference play i know jerry said that they're running a tight rotation this year um because uh, capitalized off mistakes last year i would not be shocked if he did get some starts, maybe not starts, but he's going to get serious minutes. I think I truly believe that somebody's going to have to step up. Uh-huh. I, I've said it like 10 times. I'm going to keep saying it because right now, no one jumps off the roster. That's going to fill that eight, nine, 10 guy mm-hmm. role in the rotation, not getting super consistent, high level minutes, but guys that will play key roles in this season. And that's what stack just really hasn't had mm-hmm. at all since he's been here. And it, he doesn't seem to have it this year either. Depth is going to be an issue for this team. Yeah. But Trevor, I think that's most of the roster breakdown and preview. We will have our three keys to the season and the season success coming up and the schedule breakdown right after the TDR cocktail break. And I think we'll get to a few more of the individual guys that we have to see step up in our three keys to season success. But before we get into the schedule breakdown and all of that, it's now time for the TDR cocktail break. Welcome back from the TDR cocktail break. We hope you have a delicious alcoholic or non-alcoholic beverage sitting next to you. Me and Trevor are sipping on Diet Cokes right now. Got some Seagram Zero Sugar Ginger Ale. So we're going absolutely crazy on this Monday evening. We did have some Twitter questions. I forgot that I put out a tweet <laughs> when, we, when we said that uh, we were moving the recording for this preview to this week from last week. A few people did respond with some questions. I think we answered them kind of in the roster preview, but I'll run through them anyway before we go through a little bit of a schedule breakdown and the me and Trevor's overall expectations for this season's success from George Barclay, a one day one dog. He says, and we kind of answered this right before we went to the cocktail break, but George asks Stackhouse mentioned in this SEC media presser about tightening his rotation to start the year. Who do you guys see as the starting five and the first two players to come in off the bench? I think we answered who we saw as the starting five. I think yeah. everybody kind of universally sees it. My And then I'll go to you. My two key guys coming off the bench, I think, are obvious as well, and that's Tassos, Camateros as a, as a uh, front court guy, and then Paul Lewis. Those are my two as well. Yeah. I mean, outside of that, that's where the question yeah. lies outside of that. And then after, the, after that, it's Torres. I'd have to imagine. Dort, Dort, Dort when he's healthy. Yeah, when he's healthy. I think a lot of the questions. I mean, Dort, when he's healthy, though, starting. No, I think it's still Van Allen Lubin. Oh, do you really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I think he would be I I think he would be situationally subbed in him and Tasso's rotate being the first post coming in off the Interesting. Bench. And okay. I but I also think that gives you more flexibility to say we if we want to play a bigger lineup, you we can put Van Allen the, or 
Lubin at the four? Yeah, Lubin at the four, Dort at the five, Colin Smith or Evan Taylor at the three. I think it just gives you more flexibility. I think it's hard to really create rosters situationally and and guys on the floor, five guy combinations on the floor without Dort. I think that just limits you right now. You just don't have that. So thanks for the question, George. I think we answered that one. Justin Kemp, A1 day one, dog. Go birds. Uh, I haven't even read these before. Let's hope they're legit. Uh, Justin asks, <laughs> do we do we think we can make the dance this year? I think NCAA is the expectation, but there's been so many letdowns across the board. I'm going into the season cautiously optimistic. If we make it, I will be thrilled. But if not, I won't be crushed. I would be crushed. I'll, I'll add that. If we don't make it, I would be crushed. Um, I think this is a tournament team. I, I think simply, I, I know the question marks with the front court. I truly believe this backcourt is so good. And as you said, what wins you big time ball games is your guard play. I think this backcourt is so good that I think Vanderbilt could be a tournament team. I think they will be a tournament team. I think if you had to put a percentage on it right now, what percentage chance Ooh. do you give Vanderbilt to make the tournament? 60 40. That's lower than I thought you would have it. At, yeah, I go. I'd go sixty forty. Make don't. Okay. I think that's a great way to phrase that. Do you really think we can make the dance this year? I think Vanderbilt can make the NCAA tournament this year. I think I would maybe flip it. Maybe even go thirty five sixty five on not making it. I just think Vanderbilt's deficiencies outweigh. I don't know what that thumbs up is. It just popped up. Are we live streaming right now? No, we're recording. See, it says recording. <laughs> Thumbs up. What is that? <laughs> All right. We're just going to keep rolling. What was I talking about there? Uh, they can make it. They can make it. Trevor's working. The IT department over here is working. Let's hope it's still recording. But I think they can. I just think that this is not necessarily a better team than it was last year. And the schedule might be a little more favorable and out of conference, but the SEC is once again strong. And Vanderbilt does not have the depth of scoring. I don't know what that was You're that popped up. Whatever. But that I just don't think they have the depth of scoring they've had in the past. That doesn't mean they can't make it. I think the floor is high for this team. I just think the ceiling is low for this team. I think best case, this is a fringe bubble team, and I think worst case, that makes the tournament. And I think worst case, this is a team that it points as a fringe bubble team and falls off late in the year, but is still in the conversation. I just think without having a true post presence or depth at the guard position that you're just setting yourself up for another bubble year. That's what last year was. And I think a lot of Vanderbilt fans would be happy making the tournament as a bubble team. So I think they can make it, but I think it's less likely even than it was last year that they do make the tournament. But I still really? think, yep. I think last year's talent overall was better. I would, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, but I think that at the top level, I mean, Tyron's go. We're assuming that Tyron and Ezra have built up more chemistry and are going to be better this year, and we're assuming that Colin Smith is going to be better this year. Those are big assumptions to make that they're going to be better because you lost basically two out of your five best players. Yeah, arguably three out of your five best he, players. I, I I do think that why I think this is a tournament team is. And I don't want to put too much faith and hope in him, but I, based on his comments, I think Jerry has certainly learned about the mistakes from last year. And that gives me a lot of hope that, I mean, he's he said 
he said in his press conference or in SC Media's, we're gonna have to just beat the hell out of guys. Maybe, maybe I am also just putting bubble wrap around my heart and soul because I just can't take going into another year with high expectations and being disappointed, especially after the way this football season. Yeah, so maybe gone. that's what it is. I, maybe I would put it more like 40, 60, 50, 50. I think this team in the right circumstances, if they stay healthy, can. They can make the tournament. They do have the guys to make the tournament. I just don't have the confidence that some other Vanderbilt fans do, that this is definitively going to be better than last year. Mm-hmm. Alan Richardson, last one we'll get to from Twitter, says, is it true tournament or bust mentality, or does a 20-22 to 22 win season first four outrange do enough to satiate the fans? In my opinion, last year was effectively a tournament year. Worst justification to keep a team out I've ever seen quote-unquote, you played too hard a non-conference schedule. I, I agree with his later statement. I do think it was BS that Vanderbilt got held out of it. Um, I will stay firm on my position that first four out does not get the job done. You got to get into the dance. You get into the dance or your Jerry's got to go. It's also the trajectory. The recruiting classes haven't been great. I I agree. The recruiting classes haven't been great. Tyron and Ezra are gone after this year. By far, your two best players from this roster, probably. Colin Smith would be returning, but it's not like Jerry has laid out this foundation of young talent that's there, and that's not really the state of college basketball at this point. So you're going into year five. This is not Vanderbilt football. You haven't made the tournament in four seasons. It's time. You have to make the tournament in year five. I I think we gave a little bit of leniency after that run last year only because we pushed off the expectations of saying it has to happen now. Yeah, it it has to happen. I think it is tournament or bust. I I think it is. Yeah, I think getting left out as one of those first four out teams in a top seated NIT berth would be. What are you doing, Phoebe? Jesus being would be a massive, a massive disappointment, regardless of roster excuses in year five under head coach Jerry Stackhouse. So, yes, I agree. Yes, it is tournament or bust for me. Let's go briefly through, Trevor, the 2023-2024 Vanderbilt basketball schedule. Beautiful. Starting in the out-of-conference, an easier start on November 7th. Start out with four bye games. Presbyterian, South Carolina Upstate, UNC Greensboro, and Central Arkansas. Dub, 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 dub. Those should all four be wins. They Big have wins. to. They Big have wins. to all be wins. That's just the major key to me. They, you have to win all the games you should. Mm-hmm. You can't have dropped games like they did last season to Southern Miss. Yep. You just can't. It's Rambling. a killing. You can't have those losses that kill you later in the year, mm-hmm. as it doesn't matter if you make a big run and win 12 of your last 16. You ain't going to make the tournament if you don't start right. Mm-hmm. So after the first four bye games, Vanderbilt goes to the Vegas what is it called? The Vegas, the Vegas showdown. Uh, let me pull it up. Uh, yeah, the Vegas showdown. The Vegas DJ gambling turn. Starting out, starting out against North Carolina State, a tough matchup. A solid NC State team, I believe, made the tournament last year. Yeah. I could be wrong. Very tough defensively last year, if I remember. But this is kind of this is interesting. So I looked up. You can actually see the odds on DraftKings for this four-team tournament. Uh, it starts out on November twenty-third. On ESPN2, Vanderbilt matches up against North Carolina State. Vanderbilt and North Carolina State are both at the bottom of the odds to win this tournament. They're both plus 380 to win the tournament. BYU is plus 170. Arizona State is plus 225. That's Zone interesting. Stage Bobby Hurley, right? I believe, yes. Yeah. That's Top interesting. Nails. That's interesting that Vanderbilt and North Carolina State are the two least likely teams to win that tournament. That's not what I would that have expected. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It's not what I would have expected at all. Vanderbilt is also plus 10,000 
to win the SEC regular season and plus 4,000 to make the final four. I like those odds. You like those? You I taking like, those? I'm, 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 once we're done recording, I might take my phone and make a little gamble. <laughs> so after North Carolina State and the Vegas Showdown Tournament, which with a matchup against either BYU or Arizona State after that, Vanderbilt plays Boston College. Not a great roster, but could no. be sneaky this year. We're not good last year. At Memorial, though. At Memorial versus Boston College, you have to win that one. Mm-hmm. Then you play Alabama A&M and San Francisco, both at home. And then at home against Texas Tech. That's a big matchup. That's a huge matchup. And then at home against Western Carolina. Have to win that one. It's yep. kind of a trap game sandwiched in between that Texas Tech game at home. And then you go and on the road against Memphis. Christmas. Yep. December 23rd road matchup against Memphis a big game a big stretch of three games there with Texas Tech Western Carolina and Memphis you really need to go two and one yeah in those games to really set yourself up then you have Dartmouth at home and then begins the SEC gauntlet Mm -hmm. which I think I read somewhere I won't run through all the SEC matchups uh we'll go through all of those once the season's actually underway but i think i read somewhere as far as preseason in conference strength of schedule that vanderbilt has the toughest uh strength of schedule in the entire conference of the yep. sec unless i misread no, something that is, so that that is correct i was listening to VandySports.com's preview with our old pal billy derrick and joey dwyer future future voice of the future voice of the Commodores. future voice of the commodores billy derrick but he said a stat i wish i had written down the exact numbers but vanderbilt's average out of conference opponents net ranking last year was was like 135 or in the 130s, and this year, prior to the season, Vanderbilt's average out-of-conference opponent is like in the 170s. Uh-huh. So there's a clear downward trajectory of difficulty of scheduling out-of-conference. Jerry and the admin are learning. Yeah, That's nice to see. They're learning more buy games, uh-huh. more very winnable games at home. Just get the wins and get into conference play. Yep. There's, there's plenty of time to get those difficult wins against Q1 opponents and Q2 opponents in conference play. absolutely Let, let's stick to conference play for those and i think vanderbilt's done a pretty good job there are some key games and some key stretches i think this season splits out into four parts i think you can split out the sec schedule about halfway through mm-hmm. I, I think that's how i look at it every year is the first half of sec play and the second half of sec play that's the third and fourth quarter i think in the out of conference play schedule i think that first stretch through the Boston College game is the first quarter of the season. Mm-hmm. I think you have four games you have to win to start out the year. Then you go up to Vegas. You have to split those games at a minimum mm-hmm. and go one and one in Vegas. And then you have to beat Boston College. Yeah, I think you need to get out of that six, seven game stretch with one loss. I agree. And that would be a win right there. I think the worst case is you should go one and two in your major conference matchups and you should absolute worst case have two losses yeah i agree then the schedule picks up in difficulty as espn decides to reload on me then you go to alabama a&m at home san francisco at home you should win both of those games and then texas tech western carolina memphis and dartmouth Mm -hmm. i think you have to go three and one in those games i would agree so i think at the end of out of conference play if everything goes very well for vanderbilt they should have two losses Entering SEC That's play. Exactly where I stand. If everything goes relatively poorly, they should have four losses. Yep. I, I think that's about where the range goes two to four losses. I don't think that, and if they go undefeated or one loss, 
I'll be screaming at the top of my lungs about to jump off the rafters of Memorial. They'll be a top 25 team. Yes. Yes, yeah, they will. They will be a top 25 team. I think it plays out that's a possibility. I think that it's different because you can't really go game by game the yeah. same in basketball as you can in football. It's too long of a season. There's too much variability, but I like how the schedule plays out this year. And there's just enough opportunity to get some big out-of-conference wins in that schedule. I agree. I like how they sort of – not really backloaded, but I like how late the Texas Tech-Memphis mm-hmm. game is going into conference play, uh, particularly uh, going to Memphis right before the new year comes around and you have to bring in, I believe it's Alabama for the first uh, conference game of the season. Um, I think that's I think that's set up very, very well. Um, I think this yep. – uh, non-conference schedule. I, I have very high expectations for the non-conference portion. I'm right there with you at nine and two. All right. That's the whole schedule. Pretty much. There were a lot of predictions. I saw Vanderbilt falling anywhere from 11th to 12th in conference rankings in the sec after finishing sixth last year, tied for fourth in conference. That feels a little crazy to me Yeah, to think like I'm not even super high on this team, but it's the same way. I think they were finished or picked to finish like 11th last season season as well. This team should be finishing best case about fourth in the conference. And I think worst case, they'll finish in that eighth, ninth position. I don't see. I would agree with that. Maybe I just haven't dug into the rest of the SEC that much, but I don't see Vanderbilt dropping back to having a four win. SEC season no this year which is what they would have to do yeah. to finish 11th or 12th is a four or five one SEC season after an 11 win season I don't see that happening no I and agree a, most of the season at the end there without your star player and Liam Robbins still able to win so I I think some Vanderbilt fans are minimizing the losses to the transfer portal into graduation I also think maybe the national media and people that cover the conference are overestimating those losses and just rawly looking at mm-hmm. that 60% loss in production a minute. So obviously Vanderbilt's going to yeah. take a step back. I think that Vanderbilt's just going to kind of ride steady to where they were last season. Mm-hmm. And and that's maybe the most cop-out answer I can give, but I don't think I'm super positive on them taking a big step forward. Well, and I, I also think too, whenever you look at the, the progress they made last season, like you said, uh, later last season, like you said, without your best player in Liam Robbins, and also for most of the season, the heart and soul of your team, Jordan Wright, just could not get it going. Mm-hmm. Um, if Jordan Wright was healthy last year, then Vanderbilt definitely makes yeah. a tournament. Um, and so not only did you lose Liam Robbins, you never really had Jordan. I mean, you could say the Kentucky game, he was big. He had like splashes here and there. His but as for straight, was never right. No, but as for straight consistency, he never had it all season. Man, I would love to feel that energy and memorial again that we felt at the end of last year. That Auburn game was awesome. That Auburn game was a, the Mississippi State oh, game was amazing. I need too. I need some more energy this season. And Trevor, I think that transitions pretty well. We're gonna keep it kind of positive. We're not gonna do three X factors or me and Trevor's full schedule predictions. You know the general feel of what we expect to yeah. see out of this out of this team i think it's going to be pretty similar to last year but now we're going to get to three to me and trevor's three keys to season success Mm -hmm. so three things that me and trevor and vanderbilt fans need to see in order for this team to achieve their ultimate goal of making the big dance the ncaa tournament so trevor i know we're kind of making these up on the spot what do you got for your number one key 
to 2023 24 season success you got to beat the hell out of who you're supposed to beat not just beat them you got to beat the hell out of them like you said these buy-in games if there's four minutes left to go in the game and you're up by 30 you i mean i hate to say it because i hate to risk injury you got to keep your guys and you have to run up that score that's just that's the way the ncaa has set it up uh that's the way that they want teams to play um, so Vanderbilt, I think these first four games, like you said, are very important, not just getting wins, but Vanderbilt needs big, big margins of victory, in my opinion. So my first key to the season uh, success is beat the teams you're supposed to, but beat them handily. Yeah, that kind of that's not the order I had them in fully, but I'm going to f- put that one up to number one since you mm-hmm. basically said that. But <laughs> I'm going to say start strong. And that's basically exactly what you said. You've set up the schedule now to start strong. You're starting the season with four bye games. And then you have the Vegas tournament. And then a real from a, what do you call it? It's not power six, group, blar, I don't know, big conference, yeah. major conference yeah. in college. I don't know what you said. I'm the, yeah, it's not like it's a not weaker, five, yeah, a yeah. weaker major conference opponent, Boston mid-major. College. No, yeah. they're not mid-major. They're not mid-major. They're major-major, but whatever. The schedule plays out that way. We've seen it in Jerry Stackhouse's tenure over and over. Disappointing starts to the season, looking horrible against opponents that you should beat and coming out and just looking inept. I think the VCU game just continuously sticks out in my mind. Oh, They were a good team, but Vanderbilt should never look like that early in the year. No. There's no time to get your feet under you. Mm -hmm. It's go from game one, and I think, Trevor, you hit on that pretty perfectly in your key to success number one. If things don't go well early in the year, the season's over. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, yeah. that's we learned that last season. There is no making up ground. No, they're realistically Vanderbilt proved that out last year. If you start out poorly and if you play poorly at the beginning of the year, you have no chance to make up for it later in the season. The only way you can make up for it is by winning your conference tournament and getting an automatic buy in. That's the only way. Yeah, that truly is the only way. Yeah. And I think they started, what, five and six last season? Yeah. Yeah, that's the record that I wanted to say. I just didn't want to be incorrect on it. Five and six start to last season. I just want to restate. That can't happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to have two or three losses maximum in all of -of out-of-conference play to give yourself a chance in a pretty loaded SEC. But, Trevor, what do you got for your second key to success of the season? My second key to success is, and and I said this during our break, I want to preface that, Tyron Lawrence is the heartbeat of this team. He is the most important player on this team. For Vanderbilt to have success, they need Tyron Lawrence at his best. I think this t- if Colin Damn. Smith. Oh, is that again? <laughs> that was my that was my number one. Do you want to go? Oh my god, we're just we're we're so synced up. I think this team will go as Colin Smith goes. If Colin Smith has a big season this team is going to be really successful. He's my dark horse for this entire for this entire team. You know what you have in Tyron. Averaged 13 points uh, last year. And whenever he got into tournament time later in the season, I think he upped it to like 17. I think he probably bumps up that average to 15. Um, but if, if, if Colin Smith can get it going and, and turn into the player we think he is going to turn into, I think this team has a chance to be really, really special. What did Colin Smith average last year? Like 4.7 points per game yep. last season. Mm-hmm. I'm going to change my key number two because it was from like 69% from the free throw line. Yeah, it was just the X factor this year's Colin Smith, but I'm going to kind of expand that out a little bit. 
and add in Tyron Lawrence and Ezra Mignon a little bit in there as well. And it's just going to be my key number two is guys have the roles they need to step into in front of them. Now they have to step into them. You said Tyron last year averaged 13.1 points per game. Great. Mm-hmm. It's got to be 18 points a game this year. Yeah. Colin Smith averaged 4.7 points per game. It's got to be 10 to 13 points minimum, a lot closer to that 13 points per game this year. Ezra, what did Ezra average last year? 10.5 points per game. It's got to be 13 to 15 points per game this year. You've got to make up for those points you lost. Mm-hmm. You lost what? Eight, 15 points a game in Liam Robbins, 10 points a game in Jordan Wright, and eight points a game in Miles Studi. Those points have to be made up for somewhere, and those three guys have to pick up the slack because there's not a savior coming in in the transfer portal. Do you want to acknowledge the Trey Thomas 5.8 points a game? I'm that's <laughs> I don't want to throw shade. I'm happy he's gone. No, that cat sucked. Just throw shade. <laughs> My guy couldn't hit the broad side of a barn's defense was bad. Hey, shout out to Memorial Gym. The rims are going to get a little bit of love this year. They're not going to be so rough on them like they were last year. Dude. Oh, I got to take a second. Trey Thomas, I had a love-hate. I liked that he was a streaky shooter. I'm a big fan of shooters. There's a difference between between being a streaky shooter and just not being a good shooter. That's what Trey Thomas is. He's just not a good shooter, and he was a gigantic liability on the defensive end. I would rather see Colin Smith get those shots. Paul Lewis, get those shots. Tyron Lawrence, get those shots, and see Trey Thomas continue to get bullied on the defensive end and then chuck up balls from 30 feet out and shoot 30%. He had that backpack shot. He had, <laughs> he had that Draymond green backpack shot to where you just look like you had a backpack. On I, I have to like, I have to triple check myself because how Jerry Stackhouse utilized him was like, he was a knockdown shooter. He shot 30% from the three. He literally line. thought he was Allen Iverson. He, he played him like he was John Jenkins mm-hmm. and it was like, he would set him up for open looks. I'm like stack. He's shooting 30 fucking percent from the three point line. That's not a guy you set up for open looks and plays and run fire screens for. It makes no sense to me. I'm happy he's gone because Jerry Stackhouse had some infatuation with him yeah. that I will never understand. He looked like Win- he looks like Winston from New Girl. I mean that with no shade. That's who Trey Thomas reminds me of. Look him up side by side. Okay, I, I'm not a new girl guy, but I'll oh, take boo. your word on it. If if you were if you were in the huddle at a Vanderbilt basketball game and Jerry's scribbling on his on his board and you just see a pick and roll at the top of the key for Trey Thomas, pick and pop. How how mad do you get? I would quit the team to be honest. I'd be like Jerry, I'm not playing ball for you anymore. <laughs> it it I I don't want to hate on him anymore because we did interview <laughs> we did interview his dad at one point like early in this early in TDR oh, like in the in the TDR lore yeah in like episode thirty or something like that we had Trey <laughs> Thomas's dad on I think that was a long time ago you're like so tell us tell us about your son he's like he's a shooter and you're like oh shooter, he's shoot a, baby shoot, he shot all right all right Trevor what's your key number three for success this season gonna have to limit damage on the boards. You're, I this I don't think this team is going to, and I I hope I'm wrong. I truly hope I'm wrong. I don't think they're going to win the box score when it comes to rebounds and any against any major talent. I mean, they're going to do it against your buying games and against probably some mid major teams to where you do have the size and talent on. But whenever it comes to your Memphis's, your Texas Techs, your NC States, and getting into conference play, I just don't know if they're going to win the rebound game against these teams. So. You might not win it, but my God, 
you got to at least give it a shot. You got to get their bigs in foul trouble. Um, and you, and even though you're not going to win the 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 game whenever it comes to boards, you're going to have to be crafty. You're going to have to to really try hard to get their guys in foul trouble and make it easier on you to get these easy boards. Because um, I I truly I'm really worried about us getting absolutely cleaned on the glass this year. Yeah, if I had gigantic keys for concern for the upcoming season, it's going to be bad. It, yeah. It's going to be there are going to be games that Vanderbilt. You just got to make it manageable. Yeah. Just be like make it like just try <laughs> just be yes, middle of the just pack middle of the yeah pack, if yes. they can do that my key number three is going to be on the other end and it's not going to because these are keys for success mm-hmm. i think i think the front court is just going to be a detriment to this team's success regardless so there's no point in hitting on it for the season's success i think key number three for me this year is going to be shoot the ball mm-hmm you're not going to score consistently on the inside. There's no Liam Robbins on the inside. Tyron and Ezra are good drivers, but guys are going to have to shoot better than 34% from three as a team. Vanderbilt's going to have to have an old school Vanderbilt look, not even old school, 10 years ago Vanderbilt look, <laughs> of having a roster that can shoot the ball. That makes me feel so old. And I know. 2013. I know. Man. Oh, wow. God, I was in. I was a I was sophomore in, yeah, in high sophomore school. Yeah. High school. Yeah. Golly, dude, I'm getting old. Yeah, here we go. The years keep on ticking, Sheesh, brother. man. But Evan Taylor's coming in, shooter. Tasso's coming in, shooter. Colin Smith is going to be getting more playing time, shooter. Tyron needs to step up in that category of shooting. Ezra's going to do what Ezra does. That is the number one thing on this, on this roster. They're going to have to outscore teams. This is going to be a bad defensive basketball team. It just is. I think guard defense can be good with Ezra and Tyron, I don't want to see them get in foul trouble, but this team's not going to be able to stop opponents. They're going to have to outscore opponents. And number one on that list of things to do is shoot the ball from three and shoot a high percentage. So if Vanderbilt is able to up that percentage from last season, they shot 34%. If you can see that more as a team in the 38% range, this is going to be a successful season. If you see more of the same around that low thirties as a team, this is not going to be a successful season. I agree. That sounds very simple. That's like saying win the turnover battle is like saying hit shots. Yeah. But you have to hit more shots this year because you don't have the safety net of having the size down low on the offensive glass, and you don't have the safety net of rim protection on the other end. And so a team that wasn't good on defense last year is getting worse. So the offense has to get better than it was last season. So a lot of simple keys to success for the season, but a lot of true yeah. keys to the season. And I want to throw in one little bonus note here. There is going to be a guy, we mentioned Rivera Torres. There's going to be a guy that we haven't mentioned much throughout this preview, Isaiah West, somebody. Carter Lang. Carter Lang, somebody that's going to step up in a role that is unexpected. And if Vanderbilt doesn't have a guy step up unexpectedly, another sign of an unsuccessful season Mm -hmm. this upcoming year. So, Trevor, anything else you want to add before we close out episode 244? I just cannot wait to be Memorial Gym on November 7th. No, I, I cannot wait. Is it November 7th or the yep, 9th? November the 7th. 7th. Oh, dude, I've already got my tickets. 2L. I will be there as well. Oh, baby. I won't be in 2L. I'll actually be sitting behind the Presbyterian bench. Oh, you got to give them hell, baby. I give them I, hell. I, I wish I could. I've got a buddy that's actually friends with people within the program and is from that area. He's a big, oh. he's a big Presbyterian fan. So he like, it was a pre He's like texting with the coaching staff and like getting tickets. So I can. And he's I, like, hey, this guy I'm bringing. Yeah, he he's, like, he he's had a liability. A, he called me and was like, <laughs> he's a liability. He actually called me and was like, are you going to, before I do this? 
are you going to be well behaved? Like, are you going to be okay? He, no, because he had people from the administration be like, who are you bringing? Like, I'm going to be sitting with oh the friends and gosh. family area. So I'll be bringing hell, but a respectful amount of hell to the Presbyterian. No curse program. words. No curse words, just fun yelling. I will not get the head coach of Presbyterian to try to fight me. Like I did with Mississippi Valley Delta State or whatever it was called. Mississippi oh, Valley State Delta. <laughs> Eastern, For, Eastern Mississippi Valley State Delta. It, it was uh, Mississippi Valley State Delta. It was Lindsey Hunter, the former pro oh, player. Yeah, that's, wow. who, that's who was yelling at me back and forth in the stands. And their point guard from that game still follows me on Twitter, nice. Elijah Froming. Nice. That's where I turned the tables on him. I was complimenting the players and shitting on the coach. The players were laughing during the huddle, and that's when he lost it and started yelling at me. So I can't do that during the Presbyterian game. A little funny story before we go at the freaking um, the UAB, yeah, the UAB uh, NIT game. I forget what number he was, but he was playing guard, and in the first half, he was getting absolutely cooked. And as they were going into the locker room, I, <laughs> I leaned over the barricade, and I like let's say he's never took a number two. You're getting absolutely cooked right now. Don't come out the locker room. <laughs> and then he comes out the locker room and like led the team in scoring. <laughs> and then like as they were walking over i was just like i can't look at this guy you, I, I immediately just turned my back and i was like i, I cannot face this you man. made you made the bulletin board material like he, he was sitting <laughs> he like there, looked at me I'm like bro you're getting cooked right now you were exa- you were exactly what he needed in that moment to get his mind in the right place to come out and dominate Vandy jesus in the, the unlv game the uab game UNL- what is wrong with me <laughs> you were the downfall of this vanderbilt athletics am i the entire problem? entire department i thought it was me it might be you it might- I'm <laughs> taking the flack from everyone. I don't know. I thought you were in Vegas during the UNLV. I think you were. Next episode, we're getting with to, a wedding band. On. We're getting to the five star reviews on iTunes, and there is one that addresses that. Oh, bit. is so there? Do they come will, to your defense? Yeah. Well, kind of. We'll read it next episode. I haven't read through it fully. I like reading those live on air, but I read the the start of it. And, like, and you were like, finally, somebody in my corner. So I keep we keep pushing it like every episode, but we will read five star reviews next episode on episode two forty five. <laughs> For the Ole Miss preview, as Vanderbilt football is still trudging along at two and six. Ken Seal starting quarterback announced. Grandpa, I'm tired. Why well, it's too damn bad? Why well, it's too damn bad? Keep pumping. Keep pumping out those previews, TDR. Don't worry, we will be doing more unpaid labor for Vanderbilt University's <laughs> athletic department. Later this week on episode 245. Vanderbilt, please send us a check. Please send us a check. Anchor Collective. Anchor Collective. We will launder your money. Let's get that figured out. Guests on the podcast? Yeah. Come on. We won't take anything. We'll just be your your money mule. Yeah, we will be, uh, what is it called? I'm going to say some investment terms. Never mind. I don't know. Say the term. I don't know, but say it. It's like a, I can't remember. A rat hole. I think is what you call it. somebody that like holds your investment and in money and it's like temporarily. Has <laughs> we'll be their rat hole. Yeah, well, I'll be your rat hole all day, Anchor Collective. So reach out. Our at, DMs are open. Our DMs are open. Or you can DM me personally at the Will Buyer and we will happily. We don't even want We the will money. happily pay for play. Don't yeah. you worry. We will pay for play. NCAA, stop listening. We will help Vanderbilt pay for play. $2.1 million for the Anchor Collective. Let's get those fucking numbers up, baby. Let's go, baby. For myself, Will Byram. And my co-host, Trevor Hewlin. This has been episode 244 of The Door Report, powered by Corey Perkins of Parks Realty.